The fifth may Allah be his helper recited verse 91 of Surah An-Nahl and stated, Verily Allah enjoins justice and doing of good to others and giving like kindred and forbids indecency and manifest evil and transgression. He admonishes you that you may take heed. This verse is recited every Friday in the Khutbah Thaniya, that is the second part of the sermon, as well as the Khutbah Thaniya of the two Eid prayers. Some virtues have been mentioned therein, which Allah the Almighty commands us to perform. Some evil deeds have also been mentioned, which Allah the Almighty admonishes us against. The very sign of a true believer is that they act in accordance with the commandments and guidelines of Allah the Almighty in order to strengthen their faith. Otherwise, they will not attain the standard which transforms a Muslim into a true believer. I will present the teachings of the Promised Messiah, peace be upon him, in relation to the virtues that have been mentioned in this verse, i.e. enjoining justice, the doing of good to others, and giving like kindred, which he has penned across various books and stated during various gatherings. Although each instruction revolves around the same subject matter, they are various forms of guidelines which guide us towards living in accordance with the commandments of Allah the Almighty. He has not only mentioned these characteristics and virtues 
with regard to our relationship with mankind. Rather, he has also spoken of how we can maintain a relationship of enjoining justice, the doing of good to others, and giving like kindred with God Almighty. He has presented a commentary on this in such an insightful manner that it truly gives us an understanding of the relationship with God Almighty, which elevates a believer to new avenues of faith and conviction. Nevertheless, I will now present some extracts. One should contemplate over these and try to make them a part of their life. Through these we find such a guiding principle which connects us with God Almighty and also draws our attention towards fulfilling the rights of one another. As such, this creates such a beautiful society which fulfills the rights due to Allah and those due to mankind. Furthermore, this is the very principle that will guarantee the peace of society as well as that of the world. However, it is unfortunate that most of the world is bent on usurping the rights of one another, whether it is the Muslim world or the non-Muslim world. Muslims utter the name of Allah the Almighty, but they have also exceeded all bounds in terms of committing injustices in the name of Allah the Almighty. As such, it is the duty and responsibility of the followers of the promised Messiah, peace be upon him, to remain mindful of the commandments of Allah the Almighty and transform themselves and also try to reform the world. The promised Messiah, peace be upon him, states, God commands you to be just towards him as well as his creation. That is, you should fulfill the rights of Allah and the rights of mankind. And if you are able to go beyond that, then you should not only enjoin justice, but also do good to others. That is, you should go beyond what is obligatory and worship God with such sincerity as if you are able to see him. First he mentioned the rights due to mankind and then he said that you should worship God as if you were seeing him. He further states, you should treat people with kindness beyond their due right. And if you can go beyond this, you should detach yourself from your personal desires and ulterior objectives selflessly and without any ulterior objective and worship God and serve His creation. That is, you should selflessly worship God and not present yourself before Him with an ulterior objective. Similarly, you should also serve Allah's creation selflessly, just as someone would do due to His close relationship with another. Then, elaborating on this verse and drawing our attention towards fulfilling the rights of Allah the Almighty, and how to fulfill the rights of mankind, the promised Messiah, peace be upon him, further states, First and foremost, the meaning of this verse 
is that you should be just in your obedience towards your Creator. You should not be unjust. You should always remain mindful of this and be just in your obedience towards Allah the Almighty. The Promised Messiah, peace be upon him, further stated, Hence there is, in fact, no one worthy of worship, worthy of love, and worthy of being trusted besides him. Because due to his attributes of creation, sustenance, and providence, every right belongs to him alone. What is justice towards God? Upholding a relationship of obedience with Allah the Almighty, and to do so because He is our Creator, and the self-subsisting and all-sustaining. Providence rests in His hands, as He is the provider, nurturer, and fulfiller of every need of ours. As such, it is His right alone to be trusted and loved. The Promised Messiah, peace be upon him, further stated, Similarly, you should not associate a partner with him in terms of his worship, love and providence. If you have done so, then this is the justice that was made obligatory upon you. This is justice in relation to Allah the Almighty and which is necessary to uphold. Then if you wish to progress from that and to take the next step, you will reach the stage of Ihsan that is doing good. This means to praise His greatness, to become so well versed in your worship of Him and to lose yourself in His love in a way whereby it is as if you have witnessed His grandeur, majesty and His infinite beauty. The next step is of doing good, which one cannot do to God Almighty. So the true purport of this is to lose oneself in His worship, reverence and love as if they are witnessing His grandeur his glory, his attributes, and his infinite beauty. The Promised Messiah, peace be upon him, then states, Then there is the stage of Ita Idil Qurba, giving like kindred, and that means to completely remove any superficiality and ostentation from your worship. Love. And obedience. It is possible that in the previous stage when one acts or makes efforts out of ihsan, then there be a slight aspect of artificiality or pretentiousness and to make an effort. However, one should then strive to attain the stage where this artificiality and pretentiousness is completely eradicated. One should worship Allah Almighty with heartfelt joy and emotion recognizing his grandeur, remember him out of such an intimate relationship just as they remember their fathers. And one's love for him should be like the love a child has for their dear mother. The promised Messiah, peace be upon him, states with regards to showing sympathy in light of the rights owed to God's creation and which relate to mankind, that this verse means to do justice to your brothers and to mankind, and do not make any undue demands for your rights and remain firmly established in equity. Observe justice within one's rights. One can of course seek their rights, providing they remain established in justice. There should not be any undue requests. 
If one desires to progress from this to the stage of ihsan, that is doing good, which means to do good in response to a brother's evil. If one treats you badly, you should do good to them. This is ihsan. In exchange for the hurt he gives you, one should afford them comfort. If they cause you harm, you should strive to give them ease and happiness and to help them with benevolence and favour. Thereafter, there is the stage of Ida idil qurba, that is giving like kindred, which is to carry out whatever good is possible for one's brothers and wish well for mankind without any desire for recompense. One should not have the aim of receiving any favour in return. Rather, it should emanate naturally without any desire for recompense. One should act in a completely natural manner, just as out of a strong passion of kinship, a relative does good to their relatives. Just as a family member does good to another family member, there is no ulterior motive. Rather, it is out of a heartfelt joy. It is the ultimate perfection of moral progress when one has no personal desires or motives when showing sympathy to mankind. Rather, a fervour of brotherhood and kinship should sprout from this high stage whereby this virtue emanates automatically and instinctively without any pretentiousness and without any desire for recompense, gratitude, prayer or reward. There shouldn't be any kind of wish whatsoever for someone to thank you, pray for you, or do good to you in return. Instead, it should be carried out purely due to the tie of kinship. Hence, this is the treatment we should first of all give to one another. Then, whilst increasing the scope, we should extend it to others as well. Then, whilst explaining this in relation to the rights owed to Allah, the Promised Messiah, peace be upon him, states, The meaning of this verse in relation to the rights owed to Allah is that one should adhere to justice whilst obeying God Almighty. For it is His right that you obey the one who created you, nurtured you, and does so at all times. Allah created you, nurtured you, and continues to nurture you and provide you with worldly means. So it is His right that you obey Him. If you possess greater perception, then you should not obey Him just out of the realization that it is his right to be worshipped, but rather out of ihsan, are you doing good? Firstly, there is adl, that is justice, meaning we should obey him bearing in mind that he has created us and fulfills our needs. Then, in addition to this, one should obey him out of ihsan, as he is the benefactor, and his favours are so vast that they are innumerable. Begin to count the favours of Allah Almighty, 
and obey him for his favours. This is a stage of Ihsan. It is evident that this is greater than the stage of Adl, for one keeps in consideration the aspects of Ihsan, his divine favours, when obeying. And because they always observe, analyse and keep in mind the countenance and attributes of the benefactor of mankind, it therefore enters the realm of Ihsan, for when they worship, it is as if they are observing God Almighty. Thus, this is when there is the hue of Ihsan, of doing good. No one can do good to Allah Almighty. In fact, it is remembering the favours of Allah Almighty which transforms one into one who does good. The Promised Messiah, peace be upon him, stated that the way to remember the favours of Allah the Almighty is that when a person confers a favour upon you, you should bear in mind their countenance and qualities. When these are borne in mind, you develop a close relationship with them. When this relationship is developed with Allah the Almighty, you will sincerely worship Him. Such worship whereby you keep in your heart and mind that you are witnessing God Almighty. The Promised Messiah, peace be upon him, further states, those who submit to God are in fact of three types. First, those who on account of the obstruction of worldly means are not able to see God's beneficence clearly. There is a covering over their senses, or they overly rely on worldly means. Hence, they are unable to truly comprehend the beneficence of Allah the Almighty and are not inspired by that eagerness since they do not comprehend the divine beneficence. Therefore, there is no passion generated within them, which is generated by an appreciation of the grandeur of divine beneficence nor are they moved by the love which is inspired by a concept of the greatness of the benefactor's favours. If they do not instil the true concept of Allah the Almighty within them, His divine countenance does not appear before them. They do not have any consideration of His divine beneficence. They do not truly reflect upon the divine providence of Allah the Almighty. Then they cannot generate a passion within them. The Promised Messiah, peace be upon him, further states, they are not moved by the love which is inspired by a concept of the greatness of the benefactor's favours. Such a condition in the heart will not develop as it ought to upon witnessing the beneficence of a benefactor. They casually acknowledge God as the Creator. Such people just superficially acknowledge God as the Creator and the one who has created them. However, they do not have a deep understanding of this. They do not contemplate the details of divine beneficence, which would impress 
a true concept of the divine benefactor upon their minds. They do not deeply ponder over the due rights they owe to Allah the Almighty, owing to Him being the Creator. They do not deeply ponder as the dust of exaggerated regard for material means creates a veil which prevents them from observing the full countenance of the creator of the means. The dust of the worldly means has covered them, which is why they cannot observe the true countenance of Allah the Almighty. They are thus unable to appreciate the full beauty of the bountiful. They are unable to witness the beauty of the one who is the true benefactor. Their defective comprehension is confused by their regard for the means, i.e. whatever little knowledge they have about Allah the Almighty, due to which at times they offer their prayers and fulfill His due rights, and at other times fail to do so, is in fact because their knowledge is tainted by the worldly means and material aspirations, which is why they cannot properly witness the true countenance of Allah the Almighty. And as they are not able to estimate duly the bounties of God, they do not pay as much attention to Him as would be generated in their minds by a proper appreciation of His favours. They do not pay full attention, which would allow them to observe the true countenance of the benefactor. Thus, their comprehension is somewhat misty. They are not able to properly witness the countenance of Allah the Almighty because they put their trust in their own efforts and in the means that are available to them. They also acknowledge formally their obligation towards God on account of His being the Creator and the Provider. They do not have clear knowledge of this. Rather, they believe that it was owing to their own efforts and knowledge which enabled their works to be completed. At the same time, they also have some impact from their religious surroundings, and so they are mindful of the fact that Allah the Almighty is the Creator, who created them, nourished them, and provided for them. Thus, it is a mix of two states. However, one cannot witness the true countenance of God Almighty in such an amalgamated state. As God Almighty does not require of anyone that which is beyond the limits of his intellectual capacity, he only requires of them an expression of gratitude for his favours in the verse, In Allah ya'muru bil adli, verily Allah enjoins justice. Justice implies only this kind of obedience. Allah the Almighty's attribute of being the gracious manifests in such an instance. Allah the Almighty manifests his graciousness upon even those who cannot properly observe the countenance of Allah the Almighty and grants acceptance to even this condition of theirs. This, however, is the basic stage and the minimum standard of a Muslim. The Promised Messiah, peace be upon him, further states. But above this there is another stage of comprehension which we mentioned earlier and that is reached when a person disregarding the means clearly observe God's gracious and beneficent hand and emerges completely out of the veils of material means. At this stage, one does not wholly rely on worldly means. In fact, one is able to personally witness the beneficence of Allah. 
and progresses to the next stage. One has complete trust in Allah the Almighty and acquires cognizance of the Divine. At this stage, one completely comes out of the veils of material means. One no longer places their trust on worldly means. In fact, places their complete trust in Allah the Almighty. At that stage, he realizes the futility and falsity of expressions like, I obtained this success through proper irrigation of my fields, or I obtained this success through my own efforts, or I achieved my purpose through the favor of X, or I was saved from the ruin by the care of Y. Neither does one place any trust on any quality or effort of their own, nor in the help or quality of another person. Everything becomes an ordinary matter. Rather, he beholds only one being and one power and one benefactor and one hand. Then he views the favours of God Almighty clearly without the least obstruction resulting from associating means with the benefactor. When one begins to witness Allah the Almighty in this manner, it is then that one witnesses the divine favours of Allah the Almighty. This view is so clear and certain that in his worship of the true benefactor, he does not contemplate him as being absent but conceives him as being present. When a person is engaged in worship and is offering prayer in such a state, he considers Allah the Almighty to be before him. Such worship is designated by the Holy Quran as Ihsan, that is to prostrate before Allah the Almighty as if he is in front of them. And this has been termed as Ihsan in the Holy Quran in relation to Allah the Almighty. The Holy Prophet, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, has himself attributed this meaning to Ihsan as reported in Bukhari and Muslim. However, it does not just end here. In fact, the Promised Messiah, peace be upon him, continues. There is yet another stage above this, which is ita idil qurbag, giving like to the next of kin. It means that when a person continues to view divine favours without the association of material means, that is, one continues to witness the divine favours of Allah the Almighty without any worldly means or any association with the divine, and one has complete trust in Allah the Almighty alone and worships God conceiving him to be present and to be the direct benefactor, he begins to have a personal love for God, which is the ultimate stage. One begins to form a personal bond with Allah the Almighty and there is no ulterior motive. One does not supplicate owing to any personal need, rather it is owing to his personal love. The continuous contemplation of beneficence necessarily generates in the heart of the beneficiary love for the benefactor, whose unlimited favours surround him on all sides. When one realises this and develops true insight and cognizance of the fact that Allah the Almighty has bestowed continuous favours upon him and he personally witnesses them, then this results in one forming a bond of personal love with Allah the Almighty. It is a matter of principle that when one forges such a bond, then one's heart becomes filled with a personal love for the one who has bestowed countless favours upon them. In such a situation, he does not worship the benefactor merely out of an appreciation of his bounties, but out of personal love for him. Initially, one worships Allah the Almighty due to a need of theirs. Then one worships Allah the Almighty because they consider him to be everything which is referred to as Ihsan. And then there is a stage even beyond that, which is 
that one does not worship because he needs something, rather he does so owing to his personal love which he has for Allah the Almighty, just like the love of an infant for his mother. At this stage, he not only views God at the time of his worship, but is also filled with delight like a true lover. All of his inner desires cease to exist and a personal love is instilled in him. And this is the stage which God Almighty has designated to be like beneficence between kindred. And this is a stage which is indicated in the verse فَذْكُرُوا اللَّهَ كَذِكْرِكُمْ آبَاءَكُمْ أَوْ أَشَدَّ ذِكْرًا That is, celebrate the praises of Allah as you celebrate the praises of your fathers, or even more than that. Thus, this is the stage wherein one has pure love for Allah the Almighty. The Promised Messiah, peace be upon him, further states, this throws light on the verse Inna Allah ya'muru bil adli wal ihsani wa ita'i dhil qurba Here God Almighty sets out the three stages of comprehension of the Divine. The third stage is that of personal love at which all personal desires are consumed and the heart becomes so filled with love as a crystal vial is filled with perfume. This stage is also referred to in the verse وَمِنَ النَّاسِ مَنْ يَشْرِي نَفْسَهُ إِبْتِغَاءَ مَرْضَاتِ اللَّهِ وَاللَّهُ رَؤُوفٌ بِالْعِبَادِ This means that of the believers there are some who sell their lives in return for the pleasure of Allah. These are the ones upon whom Allah is most compassionate. Again it is said بَلَا مَنْ أَسْلَمَ وَجْهَهُ لِلَّهِ وَهُوَ مُحْسِنٌ فَلَهُ أَجْرُهُ عِنْدَ رَبِّهِ That is, the truly delivered are those who commit themselves wholly to God and recalling His favours, worship Him as if they behold Him. Such have their reward with God and they have no fear, nor do they grieve. That is to say, God and His love become their whole purpose and their reward is divine favours. At another place, it is said, That is, believers are those who out of their love for God feed the needy, the orphans and the captives, saying, we feed you in order to win the pleasure of Allah. We do not desire anything in return or any expression of gratitude from you. The only objective is that they please Allah the Almighty and they are able to witness the divine countenance of Allah the Almighty even more than before. Thus, one ought to ponder that these verses show clearly that the Holy Qur'an has described the highest stage of divine worship and righteous action as that which is inspired by true love of God and sincere seeking of His pleasure.
in order to attain the true love for Allah the Almighty, which has also been explained in the verses of the Holy Quran, one also has to show compassion and form a bond with his creation as well. Only a true believer who loves Allah the Almighty can truly fulfill the rights of his fellow beings. The Promised Messiah, peace be upon him, states, What does God desire from you? He mentions this whilst imparting advice to us in his book, Noah's Ark. That you deal equitably with all people and show kindness even to those who have not done you any good. More importantly, you ought to love God's creation as if it were your kith and kin, in the same manner that mothers treat their children. In acts of goodness, there resides a concealed element of vanity, and every so often people tend to boast of their favours to others. But such a person who performs goodness out of spontaneous desire, in the likeness of a mother, can never be concerned for vanity. Thus, the highest level of virtue originates from one's natural yearning, like that of a mother. Moreover, this verse not only relates to God's creation, but also to God Himself. Justice, that is Adl, towards God means to remember His blessings and show obedience to Him. Goodness, that is Ihsan, towards God means to be so firmly convinced of His existence as though one can see Him. And al qurba to give like the giving of kindred before God can be defined as worship that is not adulterated by the greed of paradise or the fear of hell. For even if it was supposed that neither paradise nor hell existed, this would not affect your zeal, love and obedience to Him. This is a summary of how to develop the personal love for God Almighty, which has been mentioned in great detail. The Promised Messiah, peace be upon him, explained this to us in Noah's Ark. Then whilst drawing our attention towards fulfilling the rights of others, the Promised Messiah, peace be upon him, says, meaning that Allah the Almighty commands that you observe justice and greater than justice is that despite having dispensed justice, you go beyond and show kindness, and even greater than kindness is that you show such consideration to others as if they are your loved ones and indeed as if they are your kindred. It is worth remembering that there are just these three levels. Firstly, man observes justice, that is to say he asks for rights in lieu of granting rights. Then if he advances further, he comes to the stage of showing kindness to others. And if he advances yet further, then he leaves behind even the stage of showing kindness to others and displays sympathy for others, with the same love with which a mother shows sympathy to her child. That is to say, with the natural passion and not with the intention of being kind to others. This is the essence of fulfilling the rights of others. The Promised Messiah, peace be upon him, explained the beautiful teachings of Islam before non-Muslims. He also advised the Jamaat on various occasions. On one occasion, he advises the Jamaat saying, Deal with others as if they are your close relative. This is the highest stage, because in the stage of Ihsan, there is some element of vanity, and if a person forgets the favour conferred to them, the other would instantly remind them that they had conferred such and such favour upon them. However, the natural love a mother has for her child is completely devoid of any form of vanity. If a person does a favour for another person, at times they remind them of it, but a mother never reminds her child of her favours upon the child. In fact, if a king tells a mother that were she to kill her child, she would face no punishment, she would never listen to the king and instead she would reproach the king. This is despite the fact that the mother knows she would pass away before the child reached adolescence, but owing to her innate love for the child, she would never forsake taking care of the child. 
It often happens whereby parents grow old and they have children. They look after their children and love them. They did not do this in return for gaining benefit from them in their old age, even. This becomes a natural phenomenon owing to the reaching the ultimate stage of love. This is what has been indicated in the words Ita idul qurba. This is this kind of love one should develop for God Almighty. It should not be for attaining any reward, nor for fear of humiliation. The Prophet Society, peace upon him, says, The lowest stage is Adl, that is justice, meaning whatever you take from someone, you give them the same in return. Adl means to give back as much as one takes, meaning this is the lowest stage of justice. If one progresses on from this, they reach the stage of Ihsan, meaning to give back at least what one takes and even more than that. This is called Ihsan, i.e. not to only return the favour in kind, but to give back more than that. Then the stage beyond this is called Ita Idil Qurba, i.e. for one to deal with others in the same way a mother deals with her own child, out of the innate love she has and without expecting any favour in return. From the Holy Qur'an we come to learn that the people of God can progress and reach this stage of love. If one wishes to progress, one can develop this love for Allah. The resolve of man is not insignificant. Through the grace of God, one can attain all this. In fact, it is necessary in expanding one's morals. I believe that the people of God can progress to such a stage that they can have love for their fellow human beings, even greater than the love a mother has for her child. In order to fulfill the rights of others, they love people even more than a mother loves her child. The Promised Messiah, peace be upon him, further states, The state of Adl, that is justice, is that a righteous person in the state of Nasya Mara, the soul that incites to evil. In order to reform from this condition, Allah the Almighty has ordered for one to show Adl. If one is to rid oneself of evils, they have to adopt Adl, because one has to constantly battle against one's baser self. To combat against one's inner self, in order to abstain from evil, is one form of adl. For example, if one has to pay an outstanding debt, one's inner self tries to stop repaying it and wishes for the time frame for repayment to pass. In such a case, the inner self becomes even more bold and brazen, in that even the law will now not be able to take back the loan. However, this is incorrect. The dictates of Adl state that one must pay back a debt that is due upon a person. One must pay back a debt that is due. One cannot avoid paying it through some excuse or ploy. Some people devour the debt they owe to others and do not pay it back on time. In fact, sometimes if there is no documented proof of the deal, they even deny they have to pay back anything. Nonetheless, they should know that Allah the Almighty is watching their every move. In connection to this, I would like to mention that at times disputes arise in borrowing and lending money when people place undue trust and faith in others. Whereas in matters of borrowing and lending money, Allah the Almighty has ordered to record it down in written form. It is not mentioned that because such and such is my close relative or a good friend, therefore there is no need to write it down. This often becomes the reason for disputes and through this, one's nafsi mara, the soul that incites to evil, 
entices one to commit evil deeds. Nonetheless, it is the duty of a believer to avoid all this and adopt Adl. The Promised Messiah, peace be upon him, states, It is regrettable that I have to say that some people do not show diligence in these matters, and there are some people in our Jamaat also who show no regard in paying back their debt. This is against Adl. The Holy Prophet, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, did not lead the funeral prayers of such people. Therefore, every one of you must remember that you should not show any form of indolence in regard to paying back her debt. Avoid all forms of dishonesty and deceitfulness because this is against the divine command which has been mentioned in this verse. The Promised Messiah, peace be upon him, then further states, The next stage is Ihsan, the one who practices Adl and upholds its boundaries. Allah the Almighty grants such an individual the opportunity and power to excel in virtue, to the extent that one does not stop at Adl alone. Rather, in, a, in return for a small favour, one reciprocates the favour done to him in greater terms. However, even at the stage of Ihsan there is a deficiency, and that is that at one point or another, the person reminds the other of the favour conferred upon them. For example, a person feeds another person for 10 years and that person refuses to listen to the former in one small matter. The former would say to him, You are indebted to me as I fed you for 10 years. In an instance, he wastes the kindness he extended over the 10-year period. Hence, even within the one who reaches the stage of Ihsan, there is a hidden form of vanity. There is a hidden element of vanity in the one who does Ihsan. However, the third stage is whereby one becomes free from all forms of impurities and uncleanliness and this stage is known as Ita'id al-Qurba. The Promised Messiah, peace be upon him, further says, the stage of Ita'id al-Qurba is a stage which becomes ingrained in one's nature, i.e. in this stage one performs virtues in a way that it becomes part of their very being. The example is like that of a mother who feeds and looks after her child. Never does the mother think that when the child grows up, he or she will earn a livelihood and in return serve the mother to the extent whereby even if a king orders a mother to stop feeding the child and the child dies as a result, she will not be held accountable. Even then a mother could never follow such a command and she would hurl abuse at the king instead. The reason for this is that nurturing a child is a natural impulse of the mother. It is not based on any hope of reward or fear. In the same way, man can excel in virtue to the extent where they reach the stage, i.e. virtue becomes a natural impulse for them. This stage is what is known as mutma'inna, the soul at rest. The Promised Messiah, peace be upon him, states, A mother bears hardship herself but tries to provide comfort for her child. She lies down on the soggy area if the bed gets wet but places her child on the dry part. If the child gets sick, she remains awake all night and bears all kinds of hardships. Is there any element of artificiality or pretense in what a mother does for her child? She does it solely out of her earnest love and it is this love that a believer should have when discharging their rights owed to Allah and the creation. The Promised Messiah states, Thus Allah the Exalted says, Strive to go beyond even the stage of Ihsan, that is benevolence, and rise to the stage of Ita'id al-Qurba. Do good to the creation of God with a natural and innate urge without the expectation of any reward or benefit or service from them. Your service to the creation of God should not have any pretentiousness or artificiality about it. At another place it is said like this, لا نريد منكم جزاء ولا شكورا meaning that it is the practice of a person who is godly and who has achieved a lofty rank that his good deeds are purely for the sake of Allah. He does not even have the thought cross his mind that someone would pray for him or express gratitude to him for the good he has done. 
He does virtuous deeds purely out of the urge that has been placed in his heart to have sympathy for mankind. I have not seen such a pure teaching neither in the Torah nor in the New Testament. I have read them page by page, but have not found therein any trace or sign of such a pure and perfect teaching. Then the promises I peace upon him states, This means that we are commanded to return good for good, and to exercise benevolence when it is called for, and to do good with natural eagerness as between kindred, when that should be appropriate. God Almighty forbids transgression, or that you should exercise benevolence out of place. There must be a balance in exercising these virtues, or should refrain from exercising it when it is called for. One must act with intelligence and exercise these virtues appropriately. Benevolence should not be demonstrated where it is not necessary, nor should one refuse to show benevolence where it is required. Reason and a beneficial outcome must be factored in. Or that you should fall short of exercising graciousness as between kindred on its proper occasion, or should extend it beyond its appropriate limit. This verse sets forth three gradations of doing good, where we have been commanded to demonstrate these virtues. We have also been advised to exercise reason, balance, and strive for a good and positive outcome. Essentially, the commandments for these acts of goodness is predicted upon benefiting society, not creating chaos. A mother, despite loving her child dearly, never fulfills a child's plea for fire. Thus, the ultimate objective of demonstrating these three virtues is to achieve benefit and betterment. The Promised Messiah, peace be upon him, continues, The first is the doing of good in return for good. This is the lowest gradation, and even an average person can easily acquire this gradation, that he should do good to those who do good to him. Any respectable person can achieve this level of goodness, for it is fundamental. It is not a lofty virtue, but stems from mere courtesy. The second gradation is a little more difficult than the first, and that is to take the initiative in doing good out of pure benevolence. This is the middle grade. This means to demonstrate benevolence and to benefit others irrespective of whether they are deserving of it. This is the intermediate level of goodness. Most people act benevolently towards the poor, but there is a hidden deficiency in benevolence, that the person exercises benevolence, is conscious of it, and desires gratitude or prayer in return for his benevolence. If on any occasion the other person should turn against him, he considers him ungrateful. On occasion, he reminds him of his benevolence or puts some heavy burden upon him. One who is benevolent reminds others of their benevolence and how they have been benefited for a period of time, thereby placing a burden on them that is beyond their strength to bear. The benevolent ones have been admonished by God Almighty That is, O oh, those who do good to others, good that should be based on sincerity, 
do not render it vain by reminding them what favors you have done them or by inflicting injury on them. Allah the Almighty has warned such people that their goodness will be of no benefit. If they are charitable, they should know that charity is founded on sincerity. If one is to display their favors, then all their goodness goes in vain. The Arabic word for alms, that is sadaqah, is derived from the root sidq, that means sincerity. If the heart is not inspired by sincerity in bestowing alms, the almsgiving ceases to be alms and becomes mere display. That is why those who exercise benevolence have been admonished by God Almighty not to render vain their benevolence by reproaches or injury. The third grade of doing good is graciousness as between kindred. God Almighty directs that in this grade there should be no idea of benevolence or any desire for gratitude, but good should be done out of such eager sympathy as, for instance, a mother does good to her child. This is the highest grade of doing good, which cannot be exceeded. But God Almighty has conditioned all these grades of doing good with their appropriate time and place. The verse cited above clearly indicates that if these virtues are not exercised in their proper places, they would become vices. This is also a warning. If these virtues are not exercised at their appropriate time and place and are a means of chaos in the world, then they become vices. For instance, if equity exceeds its limits, it would take on an unwholesome aspect and would become indecent. The next part of the verse in respect to safeguarding against evils is also mentioned here. In the same way, misuse of benevolence would take on a form which would be repelled by reason and conscience. And in the same way, graciousness between kindred would become transgression. The Arabic word for transgression is baghi, which connotes excessive rain, which ruins crops. A deficiency in the discharge of an obligation or an excess in his duties are both baghi, whether there is a deficiency in what is due or excess, in both cases it becomes baghi. In short, whichever of these three qualities is exercised out of place becomes tainted. That is why they are all three qualities conditioned by the due observance of place and occasion. It should be remembered that equity or benevolence or graciousness between kindred are not in themselves moral qualities. They are man's natural conditions and faculties that are exhibited even by children before they develop their reason. Reason is a condition of the exercise of a moral quality and there is also a condition that every moral quality should be exercised in its proper place and on its proper occasion. There are several other directions set out in the Holy Quran. Benevolence, which are all made subject to the condition of place and time. In other words, these virtues have been mentioned with specificity to what is required for them. Thus the promised Messiah, peace be upon him, has inculcated these virtues within us through various means and examples. In respect to exercising goodness and benevolence, the promised Messiah, peace be upon him, also narrates a personal incident. He states, 
Benevolence is an extraordinary force that can empower one to conquer their greatest foes. There was a man in Sialkot who had a dispute with everyone. There was not a single person he was at peace with, to the extent that his family and friends had grown weary of him. I treated him with simple acts of kindness and in return he never behaved in an ill manner towards me. In fact, whenever he met me, he spoke respectfully. Similarly, an Arab came to my home who was severely opposed to Wahhabis. Even when Wahhabis were mentioned in his presence, he would break out in slander against them. He began to slander Wahhabis when he came here too. I did not pay heed to him and served him well. I even prepared a good meal for him. Then one day, while he was slandering and maligning Wahhabis in his rage, a man came to him and said that the person hosting him was also Wahhabi. He was referring to the Prime Society, peace be upon him. Thereupon the man became silent. The Prime Society, peace be upon him, states, The man who called me a Wahhabi was not wrong, because I, too, believe in adhering to the Sahih Hadith after the Holy Qur'an. Nevertheless, that Arab departed a few days later. Thereafter, I met him once again in Lahore. Despite being absolutely averse to even laying eyes on a Wahhabi in the past, because he was shown great hospitality, his old rage and hatred subsided, and he greeted me with kindness and love. He insisted that I accompany him to a small mosque where he was appointed as the Imam. He seated me there and fanned me as a servant would. He was very welcoming and desired for me to have tea with him before departing. Thus, observe the potency of kindness to bring about a change of heart. The Promise of Zayah, peace be upon him, then states, Morals are of two kinds. Firstly, they are morals described by those who have been educated in this modern era. They are apologetic and speak with adulation. Yet their hearts are full of hypocrisy and malice. Such morals are opposed to the Holy Qur'an. The second kind of morals originates from true compassion and are free of hypocrisy and words of adulation. As God Almighty states, This is a complete and perfect method, and every perfect method and guidance is contained in the Word of God. Those who turn away from this cannot find guidance elsewhere. A good teaching is impactful and purifies the heart. If you closely observe those who are far removed from such a teaching, you will surely find impurities within them. One can never be certain about life, thus you must progress in prayer, sincerity and purity. This is advice for us from the Promised Society, peace be upon him, to advance in our worship, honesty and purity. The Promised Society, peace be upon him, further states, I advise you repeatedly to never ever restrict the scope of your compassion. Furthermore, in order to demonstrate compassion correctly, follow this commandment of Allah the Almighty, that is, be mindful of justice when exercising goodness. Show kindness in return to those who show you kindness. Thereafter, the second stage is to show even greater kindness than you are shown by others. This stage is known as ihsan, benevolence. Although benevolence is a significant virtue and is above the stage of justice, it is possible that a benevolent one flaunts the acts of benevolence. However, there is a stage above all in which a person exercises goodness purely out of love, 
At such a stage, there is no exhibition of benevolence, similar to how a mother raises her child. A mother does not expect a reward or recompense in return for her child's upbringing. Rather, a natural love for her drives her to sacrifice all her peace and comfort for its sake. The Prophet Sallallahu peace be upon him, continues, Even if a king were to command her to stop feeding her child, a mother would reproach the king. Thus, goodness should excel to a stage where it becomes natural. When a thing seizes artificiality and becomes natural, it reaches a state of perfection. The Promised Messiah, peace be upon him, states, Allah the Almighty has ordained for you to exercise justice for the whole world. In other words, take what you deserve and treat humankind with justice. Above this, you are ordained to show kindness to humankind. That is, do not simply show kindness out of obligation, but also out of benevolence. Even at the stage of kindness, there lies a hidden fault, for a person who shows kindness may boast of their benevolence in a state of discontent. It is for this reason that at the end of this verse, it states that goodness at its perfection is when it resembles the kindness shown to a child by its mother. Such goodness originates from love that is inherent and is not motivated by any reward. A mother does not even consider that the child would return the favor of her benevolence. Thus, this is the third and perfect state of goodness that can be shown to humankind, known as ita idil qurba, giving like kindred. Thus, we are commanded not only to exercise goodness towards our own people, but to humanity at large, and without any expectation of reward. It is at this stage when one can find God Almighty, as has been mentioned in context to forming a relationship with Him. In his books and gatherings, the promises of peace be upon him has put great emphasis on this. Out of the many qualities of Islam, the promised Messiah, peace be upon him, has imparted this teaching as one of its greatest features. It is our duty to act in accordance with these teachings in order to climb the ranks in our relationship with Allah the Almighty and so that we can fulfill the rights of humanity. May Allah the Almighty enable us to spend our lives in accordance with these teachings. May we raise the standard of our worship in an excellent manner and fulfill the rights of humanity. In particular, may we foster mutual love and compassion to the degree that we become an example for the rest of the world. May Allah the Almighty enable us to act upon this, thereby enabling us to fulfill the rights of our Pledge of Allegiance. A condition of pledging allegiance to the Promised Messiah, peace be upon him, is to show compassion to humanity. May every Friday serve as a reminder to us to progress in goodness and reform ourselves when we hear these words of Allah the Almighty. If not, we will have no distinction from others. May Allah the Almighty manifest a clear distinction between us and others. Just as the Promised Messiah has mentioned with great pain at one instance. Continue to pray for the situation in Pakistan. In order to spread piety, we will continue in our efforts. And those who have an evil nature will continue in their injustices. We cannot challenge them in their evil ways. All we can do is adhere to the commandments of Allah the Almighty. 
always pray that may Allah the Almighty safeguard our faith and never allow it to wane. May we establish a bond with Allah the Almighty like that of Ita idil qurba and giving like kindred. In such an instance, we will witness the blessings of Allah the Almighty even more than before, God willing. And may Allah the Almighty destroy those who in the sight of Allah the Almighty are the enemies and are no longer able to be reformed. When we establish a bond with Allah the Almighty, then God willing, we shall witness the destruction of the enemy. Alhamdulillah, 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 وَمَنْ يُضْلِلُّ فَلَا هَادِيَ لَهُ وَنَشَدُوا اللَّهِ إِلَهَ إِلَّا اللَّهُ وَنَشَدُوا أَنَّا مُحَمَّدًا مَبْدُوُ وَرَسُولُهُ إِبَادَ اللَّهِ رَحِمَكُمُ اللَّهُ إِنَّ اللَّهُ يَعْمُرُ بِالْعَدْلِ وَالْإِسَانِ وَيَنْهَانِ <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>